0: Hey guys, and welcome back to Leadership on Purpose. I'm Blake Bozarth, and this is the show that's designed to help you grow your influence and lead with confidence and with humility. So today we're talking about generations in the workplace, and we're talking about how do we lead generation Z in particular, and Jessica Stallingsholder is our guest. Jessica is, to be honest, one of the more impressive humans that I've ever known. She's a great family friend for Lexi and I, And she's an absolute thought leader in the generation space. She's done some recent research on Generation Z. So that starts around 15 minutes into this episode. If you want to jump straight to Gen Z, if that's what you came for, go for that. I would say, though, I can't carve out the first 15 minutes because it's amazing grounding on generational differences and how we as leaders can appreciate those, recognize those. And then, this is the key, intentionally manage for generational differences in a way that actually, instead of having tension, in a way that actually produces better business outcomes, some great nuggets in the first 15 minutes and the second part of the episode around Gen Z, some really practical insights guys on this generation. So she shares some of the high-level insights from the research that she's done, as well as some implications and takeaways for us as leaders. How can we best connect with and lead Gen Z employees in a way that values them and in a way that recognizes the value that they bring for our organizations? I think you're gonna love this episode. If you do, I'll just ask you again, be a river, not a reservoir. Share it with someone else who would also grow from hearing this topic. With that said, without further ado, let's jump into the show. All right, guys, I am here with Jessica Stallings Holder. Jessica, welcome to Leadership On Purpose.
1: Hey, Blake. It's so great to be with you today. Thanks for the opportunity to learn and share together.
0: I am so excited to have you. Jessica has been a longtime friend of mine and my wife's, and she is amazing. So much insights to share. And we have a really cool topic to dive into today. Before we do that, though, can you share with our audience, Jessica, whatever you want to share about how you got to what you're doing today, anything about your career story?
1: Oh, I love that question, Blake. So first I got to ask you, are you a planner at all?
0: I am a planner, believe it or not.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I am too. Like, uh, I'm like driven by the calendar. Like sometimes I'll go back and add things to my to-do list just so I can have that sick satisfaction of crossing it off. Right. So imagine. one of those girls. And um, so life, I kind of had this plan after college for how my life was going to flow as if it were a checklist. And what I can tell you, Blake, is everything but that plan ended up happening in my life. And I found so many gaps between my expectations and my realities. And as a 20-something in the workforce, I was really having a hard time to find my fit at work in life and and i saw a lot of my friends struggling with that too and so i started to see some odd things happening in in the workforce between the older and younger employees and i thought huh i wonder if there's something going on here and so i would call my mentor and every week like i tell her i think there's something going on across generations in the workplace i think there's something going on i mean every week and she said jessica i love you so much and you can keep talking to me about this every week or you could do something about it and figure this thing out so blake would you believe she sent me a hundred dollar gift card to starbucks with the contingency that i would figure out what this thing is with generations and how it could help other people so i started at starbucks and i was living in colorado springs and one hour turned into two, turned into nights, weekends, focus groups. And what I quickly learned was there was some misunderstanding across different generations that made sense when we took time to better understand one another. And so that was the beginning of of my journey, but it was one that I believe bound me through all of the things that I thought were going to pan out and plan out did not. And that's what I, just an encouragement I would offer in general is sometimes life can take us down unexpected paths and roads, but to stay open, um, open for the possibilities that those could be the roads that direct us exactly where we need to be. And so that's where mm. my began, a bumpy road, but one that has just turned out beautifully.
0: That is a good word. Thank you for sharing. So let's dive more into that then. Like, talk to me about generations, what, what did, as you were diving into the research and the things that you were kind of seeing and feeling, I guess, intuitively, what, what are some of the big takeaways for you? If you were going to tee up the importance of being intentional about recognizing generational differences in the workplace and how do we go about leading well in, in recognition of that? (laughs) Um, what are some, what are some big kind of takeaways or I guess, initial grounding for a leader who wants to brush up on it?
1: Yeah. I love that word grounding because if you, if you get on social media or turn on the radio or the news and and. It- get on TikTok. I mean, unfortunately, particularly over the past few years, Blake, there has been a lot of misunderstanding as we look at generational memes and and we're taking a lot of things and putting them grossly out of context. So the first step is to really make sure that we steward this conversation wisely and well by, even defining what we mean by generations. So, when we talk about and study generations, we're looking at the social and cultural influences that impact a group of people as they're coming of age. So this is similar to, but different than life stage, which ebbs and flows and shifts and changes during the different decades of our life. That's a really good thing. That's a sign of growth and development. So when I am a parent of a teen, I'm probably going to have a different perspective than when I'm a teen, right? You would hope. Let's hope so. Right if not, we have what's a uh, Freaky Friday, right? But what we have found about generations, those social and cultural influences is that they're enduring and they follow us throughout all the different decades of life. Mm. And that's why they're so important to understand. So for example, someone who grew up in the great depression time period, or slogans like waste, not, you know, the other side of that, what not.
0: What not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It, it sounds familiar after okay. you say it.
1: <laughs> it sounds familiar. Yeah. Waste not, what not, or save for a rainy day. We often see, Blake, that that view of financial prudence, making the most of our resources is a value that follows that generation all throughout their life. It makes mm-hmm. complete sense. So when we're studying generations, we're simply understanding those experiences that shape their collective outlook. What we're not doing and what we've gotta be very careful about is not stereotyping or ever saying, if you are this generation, you have these 3.5 qualities. Not at all. It's it's much like trees in a forest. And we know that every tree is incredibly different. And they came and grew in similar soil with similar exposure to sunlight and rainfall. So we can pull away some big ideas about those trees And that's all we're doing with generations is pulling away some big ideas that can be used to better understand, connect, and communicate, and ultimately to combine all our perspectives to improve outcomes.
0: That is a great analogy. Um, Because yes, everyone is unique in their own ways, but we have been shaped by macro influences. So tell me, are are there some examples of how this plays out in the workplace? Like when you see someone that comes from, let's say the boomer generation, someone that comes from the Gen X, um, what sort of, what sort of macro influences or differences shape the soil that they grew up in? And, and do you have any examples for how does that end up manifesting in the workplace?
1: Uh, oh, absolutely. I, oh, I could send you example after example. What's fascinating to me, and you said this when we started out, Blake, and I love it, is that first we have to have eyes to see, right? We've Hmm. got to understand that generations are one area of diversity inclusion that often get overlooked but are causing significant amounts of conflicts, even when everyone means well. And it's happening, it's invisible, and it's happening underneath the surface. So when we have eyes to see it, we have a definition of what's happening. We begin to see what I would say is probably the most common collision point, at least with the clients that I serve, it's um, over work ethic, okay? So for example, for the boomer generation, work ethic or hard work is often linked with place and time. Makes total sense. Mm-hmm. When they grew up, they had at their peak 80 million peers. So to get a job or position of leadership, they had to come in early, stay late to a physical building, show that they were willing to work hard. So it's often sacrifice is linked with success, which is linked with being in a building and delivering a certain time period. Mm. Well, when you look at emerging generations, when they began to think about work ethic, oh, it has nothing to do with the physical building or, or a time it has to do with the output. Mm. So they're, they're creating a great product, but from their home in a certain amount of time and they have worked very hard on it. So what's often happening is everyone is coming in and saying, we work hard, but not that generation, they're slackers or wow, why are they still at the office? So everyone is getting really frustrated at one another but feeling like they're still working hard. So when we take time to get to know different generations, who they are, what life was like for them growing up, what were some of the cultural and workplace norms, we begin to see, okay, I understand how when I come into a meeting, I may expect it to be in this situation, run in this type of way and communicated in this type of channel. And so then that gives us more space for engagement. And then we figure out how do we then come together how are we going to work, communicate, form, and, and norm? So from the communication styles, Blake, to the channels that we use to some of the basic um, workplace norms, mm. we're seeing a lot of collision. It's costing tons of money. I mean, millennial turnover right now is $30.5 billion annually. Two years ago, age was the number one diversity challenge in the workforce.
0: Wow.
1: 80% of companies I pulled say, Houston, we have a generational problem. And would you know that only 20% have a plan to manage, Mm. more or less optimize the buried opportunity that exists to bring all of our perspectives together to innovate? So that's where I get excited, Blake, because part of the story is understanding and mitigating conflict. The other side is, wow, wow. There's extreme strategic advantage yes, if yes. we can learn how to bring our, our best together. And that's where I get really excited.
0: I loved that um, practical example because I have seen that so many times in the workforce where uh, the work ethic one is, it's that's a great tangible example. And everyone has different perspectives of what that looks like. And so a key for a leader is being able to, number one, like you said, recognize that there are different perspectives on that and to be able to bring together, I guess, an appreciation for differences on that. How do you drive, like even when you have like divergent kind of perspectives, how do you drive like a still consistent ethos and, and culture in the company?
1: Fantastic question. Right. And so, um, I think of how, like when I work with clients, we start at the understanding level, the paradigm or mindset level. Um, I believe that's where behaviors flow. So when we start, I would, I would encourage a leader to start with increasing, um, awareness and understanding again, about whatever the differences may be get to know. So in workshops, we do a lot of story sharing. We do a lot of listening and just, hearing and understand the different stories and plights and experiences that shape who we are. Um, and, and that is another thing is making sure we have everyone in a room together when we're doing that. So often I have a lot of groups who are, are trying to figure out different generational communication styles, but they don't have members of that generation in the room. Mm-hmm. So bring people together, get them in a room together, increase understanding in, in non-threatening ways. So again, story sharing, listening, finding out things we have in common. Um, then we typically start seeing an appreciation for one another. So I teach a lot of workshops on how these different perspectives can can add value for for all of us. Once that appreciation is there, we have to begin to figure out how when we're saying org ethic, or I did a workshop recently, we we're talking about the moonwalk and we had a a, a very excited um, uh, baby boomer thinking about, you know, the man on the moon, Neil Armstrong. And this 30 something was like, oh, the moonwalk. I love that dance so she's (laughs) seeing Michael Jackson so we have to be able to like that's a comical example but it's a real costly problem for organizations when we're saying the same things but not understanding them so the moonwalk or work ethic um, what I typically recommend doing is coming together as a team giving everyone again a seat at the table and defining what work ethic means to us in our Mm. team so creating a shared definition that's written together, and then not only that, it's to support it with behaviors. And behaviors are things that are visible, they're things you do or do not do. So if we say hard work means this to us, well, I mean, let's get granular. Does that mean, okay, if we're gonna show up, if we're back in a building, I don't know, next year, and we say we're meeting at eight, does that mean I can show up at eight? Or does eight to us mean you need to be there at 7.45? So you want to come up with a shared definition, then a set of behaviors that you demonstrate to one another, and then you, you nurture and you defend those behaviors and that becomes your, your cultural norm, but it's one that's clear that everyone understands has defined and is living out together.
0: Does that make sense? It totally does. I'm so glad we walked through that as a practical example. Because um, it's one thing to kind of talk about the theory, which is super important, yeah. but it's another thing to think about okay, how does it play out and what does it look like to solve for this in so many ways? Yeah. quick break in the show because I wanted to take just a second to plug another podcast I've discovered. It's called the art of excellence. And the host is Glenn Zweig and Glenn is a kindred spirit, a fellow leadership enthusiast. And he has an insatiable curiosity. that just translates so well in his interviewing and he's getting some incredible guests on the show. So he's interviewed leaders like John Mackey, who is the founder of Whole Foods. He's interviewed Jimmy Wells, the founder of Wikipedia. And I figured that the audience for Leadership on Purpose would also be interested in a show like this. He's doing great work, Linus, is, and wanted to let you guys know about it too. You can find it at theartofexcellence.com or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Without further ado, let's jump back into the show. So I'm excited to talk about this specifically because there is a new entrant, entrant, is that right? There's a new entrant to the, to the workforce, new generation coming into the workforce, Gen Z. I know you've done some recent um, significant research into Gen Z and there's a lot of people listening right now who are managing Gen Z talent. And there's almost everyone listening that at some point will be working with or leading and managing Gen Z talent. What are some highlights of, um, of the research that you did and I'd love to dig in, after we get that, I'd love to dig into, are there any practical kind of tips for leading Gen Z well?
1: Oh, yes, 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 and yes. Okay, so let's let's talk about the study, and and, and I find it incredibly fascinating. So we talked earlier about, um, you know, when we study generations, we look at these major moments that impact their life. So prior to the pandemic with Gen Z, we've been studying them for, for many years now, but there never was quite this this thing or moment that that had really impacted them. We knew that they were kids of the Great Recession. We knew that they were incredibly tech savvy. We knew that they are the most diverse generation in US history. Then in 2020, COVID-19 hit and became arguably the defining moment for Gen yeah. Z. So rather than waiting like we typically do with generational studies to look back on history one day and say, wow, how did this impact the next generation? My research partner and I said, wow, let's take a snapshot right now in real time to understand how this is impacting the next generation. So we we pulled those 18 to 24 um, year olds across the country and boy, did they have a lot of things to say. Um, Um, So let me share some high levels. If you want to ask anything after that about some shifts we saw kind of pre and post Gen Z behavior, I'd be glad to share about that. Um, But there was one strand and one major story that took us by surprise and that I think is the greatest takeaway. Um, So with this pandemic, one of the core questions we thought about is, is this going to you know, Gen Z is already incredibly tech savvy. Is this kind of gonna zoom us into a tech centered future? Even Blake with the shelter in place, this generation was going out of their houses less than previous generations at the same age. So we're wondering, well, is a quarantine and shelter in place even gonna bother them or is this kind of their norm? Mm -hmm. And what the next generation told us is, man, we don't wanna stay in. And actually we don't even wanna learn completely online. Now, what they told us is, only 11% agree that online meeting platforms like Zoom are just as effective as meeting uh, in person. 80 would per, 80% wow. would prefer to meet in person. When we talk about going back to organizational learning, 85% we per, um, prefer to learn in person. Wow. And when we talked about remote working, yeah, only 3% agree that in-person learning will not be needed in the post-corona era remote working, this was another one that took us by surprise. On average, uh, respondents wanted to work from home just 33% of their work week. That's about a day and a half. We asked them about um, higher education and learning and only 2%, 2%, this is unheard of when we look at at research, want exclusively online learning. And so Mm -hmm. we had 100% completion rate in our study, which is another thing that is very rare which told us this generation has a lot to say. And what they're saying is they don't wanna just live on tech. And so the greater story is what they did tell us, Blake. And that was that when we talked about what you've missed, it was all about relationships. So this connect this generation is saying we want connection. We're not talking about Wi-Fi. Right. We want to connect with other humans in real life, and that is a powerful and unexpected message from a generation who many felt like were constantly tethered to technology. Um, Blake, we we measured their technology use over the pandemic, and the increase there was a very small increase, but it was uh, incremental as it should be, as we're all using more tech. Yeah. So I think that was our most surprising finding is that they're not wanting to do everything online. They want to meet in person, learn in person, live in person, and that those human relationships really matter to the next generation.
0: Those are incredible statistics, even for someone who, as a millennial, feels like they're a little bit closer to that generation, that the, to see like that, the overwhelming majority, um, kind of have this sense of it's almost it almost feels like it's almost a backlash against hey we're not we're not embracing this fully fully remote and virtual world and in fact um we we see a place and we see um the significance of being in person to learn to work and um that's that's surprising for me especially because i would have thought and actually do you know Jess like compared to like have you, have you had millennials answer similar type questions and are Gen Z's more in favor of in-person than the millennials these days? Or what does that look like?
1: You know, that is a wonderful question. I do not have the data on that. We looked exclusively at Gen Z and I haven't heard as much about millennials. And, and that's that in itself is interesting, right? Yeah. Um, because for millennials for so long, um, you know, I was hearing a lot about them last year and, and I thought, oh gosh we've been studying generational trends on millennials for probably 20 years. You know, the oldest group like me, we're almost 40. I actually had a client recently say, uh, does that make you a geriatric millennial? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I guess so. But we're starting to kind of see that fade out. And, and, And naturally so, because particularly the elder group of millennials is is more established having kids having families and settling in so where a lot of the focus um, change rises right so we're really looking at those trends bubbling up from the next generation and it's i have found it a really refreshing view to kind of refocus on on connection
0: that's it's amazing so tell me this what does it mean for leaders so for leaders where Gen Z is quickly becoming a significant, a more significant portion of your workforce and will only continue over the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. What does it mean for the way that we lead our teams and lead this generation?
1: Yeah, it's, um, I think the first step is taking time to really understand and empathize with the next generation. I mean, Gen Z, depending on where they fall in this timeline, think about it, Blake, they miss many, if not most of their significant life milestones from graduations, I mean, weddings, Mm. honeymoons, sporting events, internships, jobs. When I read through the open-ended part of our our survey, I called my research partner, we're tearing up. It has been a very hard time for this Generation, And so the first thing is taking time to understand and empathize with Gen Z. And that could simply be hosting story sharing and listening sessions with your team. All, all you need to do to do this is ask a, a question. What has this pandemic been like for you? And then take time to listen let them talk this thing out. Trust me, they have a lot to say. Again, when we kept, we're getting such high engagement on these questions, that means they want to talk about it. So as you, as a leader, the most important thing you can do after asking that question is to listen. Um, Our tendency sometimes is to to help solve, or we've been there too, and, and we'll get there, right? But the most important thing is to listen and then be quiet. And if you ask anything else to ask, what else? Are you talking to me, you know. Let them let it out. That's going to be good for them, and it's going to be good for us as leaders to understand and remember what that might be like for them, um, because they have a lot of concerns. Our survey found, um, in fact, let me let me share these stats with you. They, they've got a lot of concern. In fact, they're they're concerned that there's going to be a future fallout. From the pandemic for this generation, the first thing has to do with their financial stability. 80% said we're worried about our finances. Job prospects came in at 67% then education opportunities they're worried those are going to be hard for them. Hmm. So taking time to listen will also give you a good pulse of where they are and what are their challenges so that we can help address them after we've listened and just really understood, then I think we have that opportunity to come in and encourage and say, you know, this has been a challenging time. Let me share an example of a time I went through a challenge and kind of how this worked for me. And what that does is it starts really forming these intergenerational connections, Blake, and sets us up for mentoring and reverse mentoring.
0: Love that. I
1: believe, yeah, I, I believe that's actually the glue that is needed when we look at Um, driving knowledge transfer across generations. I believe it's completely lacking, by the way, is this opportunity for mentoring and reverse mentoring. So it's such a great opportunity where we can learn from them and learn from us. Um, The the second idea is to think about, you want to make sure you are keeping Gen Z connected, okay? So they're telling us they want connection. How can we do that? Um, if, you know, if we go back to work or if we stay online, regardless of the forum, the greater idea is looking for tried and true ways to increase connection. So mm-hmm. keep communicating. Be very intentional about having weekly meetings, saying, here's where we are. Here's what's changing. Um, Basically, their entire world, like everyone's, has been upended. But when you're younger, this is kind of like your first time around the block, right? First time that maybe a major plan hasn't worked out. So you want to help reorient them to your team, to where you're going, how are things changing, and include them in that dialogue. Do all you can through fun exercises, through learning, all kinds of things that can keep people together. The third idea is the next generation keeps telling us that they like learning and development is a, is a big deal for them. And by the way, that's that's free. I'm seeing so many organizations drop learning during this pandemic. I would just challenge us to think about learning differently. It can be free, it could be a TED talk, it could be one of your employees leading the discussion. But as you do for Gen Z, think about three areas to help with their development. The first is communication and emotional intelligence. Now, prior to the pandemic, Gen Z was saying, we're not as comfortable communicating in person because we've lived so much of our lives on our phone and you can Mm. control that filter and that (laughs) message We need a little help there. And that has come out very, very much so in the pandemic. The second thing is mental wellness. Um, Prior to the pandemic, we saw um, that Gen Z was on track for for a major mental health crisis. Um, We saw that loneliness, anxiety, depression, and unfortunately, suicide was on the rise um, for the first time in decades. And so with um, with Gen Z today, we saw um, definitely a rise in loneliness and anxiety that did not translate over to increased depression in our study. In fact, many of their behaviors, Blake, were great. They were learning, working out, a lot of healthy behaviors. In fact, drugs and alcohol was the very least way that they spent their time. Hmm. So as a leader, as you're thinking about the second way to encourage them, celebrate those healthy behaviors, because what's celebrated gets repeated, as well as offering continuous tools and tips to help keep us mentally well. The third teaching area to consider is what we talked about earlier. Remember, their greatest fear with all this has to do with finances. Hmm. So how can we teach financial literacy how can we ease their mind about coming of age and your your entire young adult life starting out in a pandemic? How can we help them utilize this time to learn how to, to build a strong financial future? So topics like that can go a long way while keeping your workforce connected with and from one another.
0: That is so good. There were so many nuggets in there, Jess. Um, I love the... The, I guess, I'm just getting a rich appreciation for um, empathizing with where they are. And so it's been a significant event for all of mankind to like, no one alive, at least I don't think, has gone through a pandemic of this magnitude. And, but when you're younger, it does hit so much harder. And uh, I have a little brother now who just graduated high school and into college this year. And it's just unbelievable how different of an experience it is. And so there's milestone events happening for people in the older range of Gen Z who have graduated college and they're starting the workforce and they didn't get the graduation ceremony. Um, Some may be uh, having weddings even young and um, it's just, everything is just so different and it's that much more pronounced when you're younger. And so I really resonated with um, taking that time to understand and, and listen (laughs) And, and then be able to um, encourage and reorient. So while, um, while this pandemic is new to us as well, no matter what generation we're in as leaders, we have been through stuff in our life and we, ha- and we have some experience with things not going exactly as we planned. So being able to speak that life into them, I think is, is incredible. Um, do you have any other uh, practical examples for how, companies um, could be doing a good job, especially virtually right now, Jess, which is regardless of the pandemic will still be a big part of um, our work in reality moving forward, but doing a good job of fostering connection, a sense of connection.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, I tell you where it's at is the story sharing and, you know, story sharing, the research shows actually unites the brains between the storyteller and the listener, So I'm seeing a lot of success. I had a client recently, and and, and by the way, empowering them to do it in their own kind of way. So the Gen Z in their group, um, it was so foreign to me as someone older, but they did these cool TikToks to introduce themselves and what they're (laughs) passionate about. And the pandemic in a word or phrase to me was blank. Well, by showing that story in a very cool way, it was so neat, then that launched discussion. A facilitator to say okay that's interesting so Blake said this has made him feel like that has anyone else felt like that and it's just going to open up the dialogue for rich discussion Um, another client one of the things we did because of the milestone miss and what I would challenge leaders with is let's not actually let it be milestone misses let's think of creative ways that we can honor Um, what was and some of the unexpected things and really celebrate the future. You see, I think there's a lot of grief involved in this, Blake, that has to be We have to let go of what was including our expectations so that we can walk into what could be. And so I've had one company and together we created like a virtual milestone celebration. So for the Gen Zers, the different things that they miss, we did a party for them and it was online. Um, We did like, uh, we had music for the graduation people. We had wedding bells for those who had a wedding. And we just kind of came together and say, we celebrate these different rites of passage in your life. And it really boosted morale. It, vo- it just boosted, hey, it's cool to be seen and to be celebrated and it's a different way than we thought It's kind of cool, right? And then we end with our wins. Always, always, always as leaders, I encourage us to end any conversation with, what are you most proud of? What are things you've learned in the season? And when we ended with, wow, how have we changed and grown this year? Talk about more celebration, Blake. It was like, well, you know, I've I let go or, oh, I kind of enjoyed this virtual party we had or, oh, I'm spending more time with my family. Oh, I'm thinking of getting another degree. And so there's always beauty, even in the middle of challenge. And when we take time to have these experiences with our teams, we're going to enable those to be fostered. All we have to do as leaders, I believe is to create a safe environment Mm. for discussions and to really facilitate and direct our teams down positive pathways.
0: That is amazing. And we are big advocates of that. That's a big part of what we see with growth groups as well as it's a forum to connect on a more personal level, a more human level. So not so much talking about, um, what projects are we working on status updates, but talking about things that are, that are really things that matter to, to our talent, but, um, giving a space for people to know each other on just a more personal and human level breaks down so many barriers and creates this deeper sense of connection. And, um, like you said, it's, it's a tragedy. And we have to do something just to, 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 um, address the trend of growing loneliness. We have to do something to address the trend of um, a lack of engagement, which we've been seeing for years and years, a growing trend of uh, more and more people being disengaged. in forums like that, that allow people to um, talk about things that matter to them, and matter to their personal growth, celebrating their wins, um, uh, talking about their goals and what they want to accomplish with their career and personally, those are key really. And it sounds like the softer stuff, but it is, it is the stuff that actually produces real bottom line impact as well.
1: Oh, Oh, absolutely. And, and to me, it all goes with growth mindset, you know, and I believe as leaders, we don't only need to have one. We need to produce that with our teams because, you know, I would challenge all of it. It has been a such a tough year. I mean, I, I know firsthand the challenges of this pandemic, but I think sometimes I'll get on and I'll, and I'll hear in conversations like, oh, we're, we're so sick of this. Yeah, but wow, the other side of the story is we have our health. Hmm. We have the opportunity to connect on technology. And so what are we gonna do with it? And, and that's as leaders, I think we have to always see above. And, and so that's why I appreciate your show so much is that you are encouraging and equipping leaders because I think leaders carry so much on their shoulders. Um, so the more that we can encourage and support the leaders, then they're gonna be more equipped to to serve their teams well.
0: Amen. That's such a, such a good word. Okay, before we let you go, Jess, this has been amazing. Before we let you go, wanna hit a few standard questions with you as well. And the first one is, we like to ask, what is your why? What is it that really drives, motivates you?
1: Yeah, I would say two things. Um, Belonging, giving Mm. people a place to belong. Um, You know, I think back on my life and so many times I had a hard time figuring out where I fit. And I want people to know that they belong and that they matter and that they have a place. Um, The second thing is... To, to, to really see people, Blake. Um, to see beyond um, some of, of the labels or things we may prescribe on people, but to really see them for who they are. Um, when we do, oh my goodness, the opportunity that can come to combine perspectives. So um, I, I hope and pray that a large part of my work is to help people see differently and to really see people for who they are and to connect and create ple- places for people to belong.
0: It's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, what is one way you've grown as a leader, Jess, since you started in your career, if you had to choose one.
1: Oh, that's killer. Okay. So can I, can I share with a brief story? Um, this, I would say has been my biggest area of growth. I launched an escape room in a box, um, came out of some research I did a few years ago. And so with this escape room, Blake, we have game masters who help officiate the game. And so, in my testing uh, time where I was getting feedback on the game and, and the prototype, I, I got feedback after the session. They said, Jessica, the game is great, but you're ruining it. And I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> because I was game mastering. And they said, you're just, you're ruining it. You are way too involved in this game. And you were giving us clues and answers to things when we didn't want them. And Blake, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I knew the game inside and out. I I wanted this team to succeed. So in my mind, I was helping them, but but, by giving them these little hints and coughing them away from this way to this way, I was actually holding back their growth and development because I was robbing them of the aha moments. If you've played an escape game and you finally get the clue, you remember the feeling that's like, like, (gasps) oh. Oh, I see it. And then it's going to stick with you. So I was over supporting and therefore robbing the team of the experience for growth. So then to overcompensate or accidentally overcompensate, I became a pretty tight game master. I just, I barely said anything. I didn't give any additional nudges when they didn't need me. And then I got feedback that I wasn't helping enough. So my greatest lesson I have learned, Blake, in this journey is the art of the leadership nudge. It's knowing and discerning when to lean in and help, even when not asked, and when to have great discipline and to hold back because your team needs to find this out for themselves. And it's it's a little bit of a dance. I'm still tripping over my feet a bit, but that is the area that I've grown the most and that I hope to continue to grow in.
0: Gosh, that is so good. And I love that term, the leadership nudge, yeah, the knowing that. Nudge. That's so good. Um, thanks for sharing the story too. So here's a fun one. If you could have lunch with any leader past or present, what leader would that be?
1: You know, it's, it's, I I thought about this question and you know, there's so many people I would say though, Blake, my grandmother, My grandmother um, was a woman of of the Great Depression, and she um, was a working woman in a a time where not many women were. She worked for GE, had a secret clearance with the government, um, got her degree, and was a real kind of trailblazer in her area. Um, And to hear her stories, which I capture every time I'm with her, I, I want to make so- sure that I am soaking them all. And, 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 and I would challenge, again, listeners with this as well. Like A lot of our legacy comes from those who, who've gone before. And sometimes mm. those stories are encouraging and positive, and sometimes they're heart-wrenching. But that's a part of the story that makes us who we are. So making sure, A, we know our story, our family stories, and then we choose how we take what legacy forward. So I would choose my grandmother, because I would say she is the, the root of my legacy.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. She sounds like an incredible woman. Um, you here's her in your podcast. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's uh, another question for you is what do you have a personal BHAG something, some big, hairy, audacious goal that you're um, looking to accomplish?
1: yeah yeah oh yeah i am i mean in in life and work for sure um life i keep a bucket list book um a few years ago I, i realized yeah we've got to live intentionally and if we don't life will pass us by and and i do not want to look at my back on my life one day and say i wish i would have blank so i've tried to really discern what are the things that is a life well lived to me and i took up a real knack for for hiking i really enjoy national parks and so uh, i have two girlfriends and every year we call it a bestie rusty it's not a lot of resting actually but it makes for a great and cute hashtag right so we go and hike a national park each year so we started cool. two years ago and i hope to um we have a list of 20 different national parks we want to hike that's so super. i'm excited about that two in um and then secondly as a speaker i have a, a dream and a goal to give a ted talk one day
0: yes and so
1: that's something I'm, I'm working towards
0: it will happen i am a firm believer in that um finally jess where can our listeners find you
1: Oh yes. Hey, come on over to my website. It just launched three weeks ago, new website. So you can find it at jessicastallingsholder.com. And that's S-T-O-L-L-I-N-G-S holder.com. And we um all my email, contact information, social media is there. And I would just love to have a conversation anytime.
0: Fantastic. So good to have you on. Can't can't wait to continue the conversation.
1: YouTube, like thank you for the difference that you make. Keep keep going, my friend.
0: Will do. Take care.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: What would it mean for your organization if your leaders became significantly more effective? At Cothrive, we help good leaders transform into exceptional leaders. And we do it in a way that builds camaraderie and deeper connection to your company, for a fraction of the cost of less effective alternatives if you're interested in learning more find me on linkedin and just shoot me a message as always guys keep leading on purpose